AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products to buyers around the world every day. Global markets are an incredible challenge as well as an opportunity. So you simply cannot overstate the importance of boots on the ground, speaking the local language, and understanding local political and regulatory constraints. That's what the U.S. Grains Council does. The explosive food demand is in developing countries where a growing middle class is moving to first world quality diets. But as we look at those markets, the volatility is extraordinary. The U.S. Grains Council is out there 24-7, establishing relationships, building trust, and opening doors for corn, sorghum, barley, and their co-products. And that translates into economic gains for farmers in the United States. Now, AgriPulse, open mic. This week, Jeff Nally speaks with Congressman Rodney Davis from Illinois, a co-sponsor of the Water Resources Development Act, just passed by the House of Representatives. Absolutely. It was a great day for uh, putting good policy in place. It passed an overwhelming bipartisan majority this past Tuesday. Uh, these, some of the provisions we were able to put together in that bill are provisions that are truly changed the dynamics of upgrading our locks and dams along the Mississippi and Illinois rivers. And, and I want to see less paperwork and more construction. Over 400 votes in favor, and it's, if I recall, only four descending to move ahead with the legislation. Absolutely. I'd urge the president to sign this conference report, uh, sign this legislation, uh, make it law. It, it's a true uh, testament to governing and bipartisanship out here. And i got to give a lot of credit to my chairman, Bill Schuster. Bill Schuster uh, led the charge, brought the other side into the discussion to put a good common sense piece of legislation together and, and there are so many good pieces to this to this bill uh, that once they become law or have the potential to save taxpayers billions of dollars Jeff and just the paperwork process alone is going to change from an average of 15 years with the Corps of Engineers paperwork to three that's saving money if we can turn some pages inside the report here, what I knew of word of before is that we have locks and dams on the Illinois, on the Ohio, on the Mississippi River that are far outdated that need to be repaired. We also have a port system that needs to re be repaired in, in, in some major uh, facilities. Uh, we have uh, issues and in, in doggone near early uh, every state. I think California's got one involved. What's included in this piece of legislation? Is it everything and everything funded and now we move ahead or what's actually inside it now this is an authorizing bill uh, money to actually build and construct new projects and and actually design them comes through the appropriations process and and also is funded by the inland waterway trust fund and the harbor maintenance trust fund which are trust funds that that operators pay into and so they know that the water infrastructure will be updated so that the navigation channel along the Mississippi River can remain open, products can get out into the sea and and uh, be exported to, for, for sales overseas. Uh, and that's crucial to Illinois. As a matter of fact, 80% of all the products that go up and down the Mississippi River are coal and grain, and that just screams central Illinois in the district that I serve. That's why it's crucial to jobs in our district. As a matter of fact, Jeff, when when the navigation channel is threatening to be closed because of low water, coal mining families in my district lose jobs. 
And we want to make sure that we put policies in place that are going to encourage more usage of the, the waterways. And, and you asked me about provisions. Um, we're putting policies in this bill that are going to give new options to rebuild our infrastructure because what we've been using right now, and especially the regulatory process, hasn't been working and it needs to be changed, and that's exactly what we did. As I understand, there was some redirection of funds inside this to to perhaps look more to the construction side of capital expenses uh, to, to get on with these projects. Absolutely. Remember, the regulatory process that is currently in place that the Corps of Engineers follows to be able to move from the design to the engineering to the construction phase of upgrading a lock and dam averages 15 years just to fill out the paperwork. And that's unacceptable to us, and that's why we changed it. We're going to allow concurrent studies to be run to ensure that the paperwork process doesn't last more than three years and the spending is capped, where before the spending on engineering and design was never capped, and you would never get to construction projects. That's going to speed up the process, get us to construction. We've also put in provisions uh, for new funding mechanisms like public-private partnerships that, that weren't available before. This is crucial. This is language that I introduced along with my colleague, Sherry Bustos, and it was included in the final conference report, and it gives options to Americans to rebuild our lock infrastructure and dam infrastructure in ways that other countries do it without an Inland Waterway Trust Fund, and we need that opportunity. It expands us to this opportunity here. We know the barge lines had said, tax us, create a user fee on the fuel that we use, and direct those monies toward capital expenditures of upgrading the locks and dams. Now, specifically, that's not in this bill, is it? No, we, we can't address taxing issues as the Transportation Infrastructure Committee. That comes through ways and means. But what you're, what you're talking about already exists. It's in the Inland Waterway Trust Fund. And the Inland Waterway Trust Fund is funded by fees that barge operators pay. They're willing to voluntarily pay more. However, we have to ensure that any funding that goes into the Inland Waterway Trust Fund is not rated and spent on other purposes. And we have to ensure that it's spent on projects that are going to be cost-effective and that are also going to to not take up the entire Inland Waterway Trust Fund like the Olmstead Lock and Dam Project has been doing for years. Uh, that's a new design. They've been building it uh, for, for many, many years, billions in cost overruns, and we need to ensure that we don't make those same mistakes because the Inland Waterway Trust Fund can't be the only way that we fund lock and dam upgrades or we're going to continue to kick the can down the road and that's why having the public-private partnership opportunities gives us more options to move projects forward. I had understood there was some pushback among some legislators about those fees suggesting that that would be a new taxes. So does this have to come through uh, ways and means in the House? Does it have to go through finance in the Senate? If we want to come up with additional funds, where do we go? Yes, uh, that, those provisions will, will have to come through, uh, the, both those committees that you mentioned. Uh, and those provisions were actually included in the tax reform package that Dave Camp introduced. I look forward to working with my colleagues on those committees to, to talk about ensuring that any funds that are put in voluntarily by those barge operators, even if it's more than what they pay now, that that's, it's going to go for upgrading our locks and dams, and that we're also not going to have projects like Olmstead that suck up the entire fund. 
when you're talking about the the tax issue, that takes me to the next area, and I'm anxious if there's been any updates since you and I had a chance to talk last. We know in the Senate, uh, political meandering has kind of derailed their tax extenders, at least for a period of time. I think there, Mr. Senator Wyden and some others are looking for a compromise plan to bring back. But in the House of Representatives, do you hear that we're any closer to tax extenders? It's crucial for our ag communities to get the tax extender package passed because the Section 179 provision is is uh, something that many of our farmers need to be able to take advantage of, and, and this is something that we're going to continue to fight on. I'm very disappointed that the Senate, through pure politics, didn't pass their bill over to the House like was anticipated uh, so that we could move this issue forward. As a matter of fact, Harry Reid, all he needed to do was let a few Republican amendments be offered, and he didn't do that, and it failed, and I hate to see good policy derailed by politics. You mentioned this, uh, the, the, the need for the upgrading of locks and dams that we would have to go through the appropriation process. So let's talk about appropriations for a second in our time that's available. Uh, uh, Congressman, the appropriations subcommittee meeting this week and plans in there that would take money away from energy, take money away from conservation, in essence, taking away some of the program funding that you and others helped to put together in this new farm bill. Well, what we have to do is realize that we are, we are getting to a point and getting back to our appropriations process, which is the constitutional way that we're supposed to spend money in Washington. Throughout the entire Obama administration, we've been working off of continuing resolutions. The House is going to pass their appropriations bills, and throughout that process, there are going to be amendment opportunities. But we have to stick with this appropriations process. Otherwise, we can never reprioritize how we spend money here in Washington and, and ensure that we reduce, continue to reduce the deficit and actually fund the programs that are necessary. I'll stand up and fight for the programs that we put forth in, in the Farm Bill. And, and i got to commend uh, folks on the, on the Appropes Committee and the subcommittee, especially for Ag Appropes, putting together a balanced bill that's not perfect, but it's something that we can work with them on right now, and we got to continue to we got to continue to go through that process. Otherwise, we get into sequestration. We get into large spending agreements that the president and leaders of both parties put together without any input from people like me, and, and that's what's given us across the board cuts. That's what's given us sequestration, and that's why I'm happy that we're going through our, our approach process because we're going to have better spending decisions. They're not going to be perfect but they're going to be better. Can you live with the cuts that the Approach Committee suggested even inside that new farm bill? Well, we're going to, we're going to work with the Approach Committee. Remember, it just went through the subcommittee. Uh, it's going to have to go through the full Approach Committee. It's going to have to come to the floor. We'll see what amendments are going to be offered, and we'll see what the final bill looks like. Uh, this is a new process for many members that have served here longer than me. They've never seen any spending plan except a continuing resolution. So it's a very tenuous time here. If we don't if we aren't successful in getting our probes bills passed, then we could create a new normal that gives us continuing resolutions and across-the-board cuts, which would be devastating, absolutely devastating to our ag industry and devastating to those programs that we were able to put forth in the Farm Bill. Inside that probes bill, there was also some flexibility that was attempted to be rolled into it into the school lunch program to allow uh, school districts and others a, a little flexibility for what's right for them and what's available for them. Do you support that concept? Oh, absolutely. We've, we've been helping Rob Aderholt uh, lead the charge on, on some necessary changes that need to be made to our school nutrition program. Look, we, 
we all want kids to eat better. We all want to address childhood obesity. We all have the same goals. But the problem is many rural school districts that I serve are losing upwards of $100,000 a year trying to comply with some of the goofy regulations and rules that are coming out of Washington. You know, the, new, the meals that kids get today are a lot healthier than what we were served when we were growing up. I graduated high school 26 years ago, and the meals that they had before Washington took this top-down approach were better than what we used to eat. Now Washington tells our school cafeterias, you can't serve corn because it's yellow, and you served your yellow vegetable last week. So you're going to have to serve green, but since you serve green beans already, you know the kids will eat those. You can't serve them for another few weeks, so you have to serve kale or Brussels sprouts because they're green. Now tell me, you don't eat Brussels sprouts without bacon and butter, do you? <laughs> and if you put bacon and butter on them, that's going to, it's going to exceed the caloric restrictions that they have that are part of this program. That flexibility is needed, not just because the kids aren't eating it and wasting it, 1.2 million less kids are participating in the school lunch program since these new regs were put in place. That's why we have to stop the bleeding of the program, and we have to make sure that we stop the bleeding of our school districts so they don't continue to pull out of the school lunch program entirely like Monticello, Illinois did. I'm a little frustrated that you couldn't buy potatoes under the WIC program or SNAP. <laughs> well, it, it's... It happens when Washington decides that they want to police the decisions of Americans. And when you have people in concrete buildings right a few blocks from me, where I'm sitting right now, that come up with great ideas um, in their mind, they sometimes don't realize it's pretty tough to apply those, those great ideas in the real world. Let's finish with this one. In regard to immigration, the Rules Committee saying that uh, the, the plans that were going to be offered to defense spending... Um, they're not going to allow those to be germane and to be considered. It's looking less and less likely for immigration reform, isn't it? Well, it, it's it, it's never going to be likely if if anyone expects the House to just rubber stamp the Senate bill because there are many problems within that Senate bill. Um, but I think the House is going to to hopefully get a step by step approach that's going to reform our broken visa system, which we have to do. Uh, and I think there are some very good provisions that we can get a, a large bipartisan majority to agree on. I want to do something about immigration reform. The problem I see is that many on the far left and even on the far right just want to stand up and scream about it, and they really don't want to solve the problem. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council. Working 24-7 around the world for U.S. corn, sorghum, and barley producers. I'm Ken Root.